I never realized how complex it is to get people to constantly drive results. And it's something that I'm continually learning. Welcome to Long-Term Thinking for Business Success, a show for and by business owners. Each episode will explore how to beat the odds and create a sustainable business and the life we've dreamt of. Today's guest is Eleanor Moisha, the founder of The Construction Coach. Eleanor is a mentor, best-selling author, award-winning podcast host, and a businesswoman disrupting the construction industry. The Construction Coach is Australia's first coach in the construction industry focused on constructing exceptional, excellent, and exemplary people behind the projects they're delivering. Hi, Eleanor. Welcome to the Long-Term Thinking for Business Success podcast, and thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be on the other side of the microphone, Rick. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Just to kick things off, can you tell us about Construction Coach? What's the change you want to make? Or to put that another way, what's the vision you're trying to deliver? And who do you hope to help? Of course, there has always been such an influx or oversupply of tactical training or training, mentoring, coaching that is overly reliant on a tactical and technical skill set. And of course, in construction, it has its place. I relied on that myself and I was completely misled and unfulfilled in my career. I was more diminished and meek and dulled down than everything else. I knew there was a chasm that's missing in my own development. When I found what that chasm was and looking at what the problems are in the industry, which are many, I knew that the construction coach had to bridge that gap between what was truly missing and what still is missing, which is still that mentorship, which is based on high income skill set and a powerhouse mindset. Whether that's something that people use on site, whether that's something that they use in project management or business, it is always bringing that principle-based approach. Who I work with, only people who want more will ever go towards mentoring and coaching. Everyone else, 90% of especially the professional marketplace, they already know everything. What more could they possibly want to discover onto themselves, let alone themselves? It is only a minority which will ever seek out mentoring, coaching, and training. And of that, it's people who are ambitious, people who are curious, people who have the alchemy of a young gun or an exemplary leader. It's been fascinating to pioneer this space within the industry. And of course, there is so much more work to be done. I'm sure there is. We'll explore this a little bit further in other questions. But just to follow on from that, you mentioned a high income skill set and a high-performance mindset. Can you just explain a little bit more what you mean by those two elements? Because I think they're key, not just in the construction industry, but for any business leader to have those two attitudes. Definitely. The powerhouse mindset is one that always achieves what they want. And most people are not well-equipped with everything they have been naturally given from their subconscious powerhouse to how their conscious mind works to then seeking to understand themselves from their inner identity. When you put all those things in combination in the perspective of achieving what you want, how can you go wrong? How can you not have the powerhouse-like confidence to go after whatever it is that you want? If that means defying the status quo and rejecting what everyone else has told you, 
it takes a lot of backbone. It takes a lot of courage to do that. Those types of actions will not come from a mediocre mindset. Where do most people get their ideas from? The people around them. If they're not surrounded by high performers and high achievers, then they are simply breeding mediocrity. So the powerhouse mindset is one that achieves what they want from their inner identity, not what society has to say. When we're looking at the high income skill sets, it's persuasion, negotiation, it's all the skill sets that support the leadership function, it's marketing, branding, it's the skill set that falls under business and business is not a skill. There's many skills that support the operation, the marketing, the selling, the prospecting, the imagination part of a business. These are skills that can be highly leveraged and provide you with a lot of income in the future. For example, speaking, you become an exemplary speaker that affords a lot of opportunities. Skills that do not fall into that category then cannot really be leveraged. They can be duplicated or multiplied, but leverage is a whole other game. Thank you for that explanation. Just thinking back four years ago when you decided to start The Construction Coach, what motivated you to start it? And specifically, what did you identify or see within the construction industry that enabled the opportunity to establish your business? Great question. There were a few lead-ups to the path. Number one was when I graduated from my master's, I started tutoring in construction because I had to do more. All of a sudden, I had a gaping chasm of time and simply doing one thing, which was going to work and coming home, was not satisfactory. The conversations for tutoring always turned into a career-based question. And even back then, people looked and said, you have a great career. How do I do it? And I started thinking, if one person has that question and I had that question, many more people had the question. And I didn't do anything with it straight away. Later on, the tutoring platform where I was on, it dried up my pipeline and that dried up my cash flow. Hang on. If I'm at the behest of another platform, then that also controls my income. In parallel to that, I started conceiving my own vision. It didn't make sense to me that becoming a project manager by the age of 30 would be it. How was that the pinnacle where I couldn't even tell someone why I wanted to become it or work as that. It's not even become, it's not my whole identity. And my vision, I started getting fragments, but then what happened, I would put it in a box, but then it kept on getting greater and greater. And the more that I looked at my vision, I realized that where I was and where I was heading was immensely incorrect to what my vision was saying. My vision said author, speaker, mentor, international career and the corporate career was not going to afford me that the third aspect which led me to having full conviction to pursue my own vision was i was working on an extremely toxic project toxic culture toxic people it did not make sense that i would replay this day for 40 years working with mediocre managers and not being in control anymore of my career i let the steering wheel go and all of a sudden, I was faced with political plays and double standards. I remember a morning, which in Melbourne, very grey, very dull, very uninspiring. I was standing in the sight shed looking out the windows and it had bars on it. And it just felt like a mental prison. 
those three things, they all felt they were happening in parallel. I was thinking, I need to get myself out of this scenario. This can't be it. I have this vision. It's not going to happen in corporate. I don't have an interest of being a traditional entrepreneur. It was 11 o'clock at night. I had the download, the construction coach. I was up till 5 a.m. the next morning figuring out domains and ABNs, all these things that you do when you want to start something. Within a month, I was umming and ahhing, but I launched a website. It started off as just a blog and it has turned since into a podcast, into masterminds, books, awards, training, collaborations, more than just a blog, which... I started off with to answer the second half of your question is that people in the industry fundamentally are being told to sit in boxes. This is the status quo. You are not to construct your career on your own terms. All the training that I do really falls under enabling people to live from the inside out, not from the outside in. It's so in line with my position I mean, to end on the inside out rather than the outside in is that's the yes. name of my company. So literally, yes. the <laughs> so we believe that yes, marketing, which is where we starting our business in, is driven by the insight of if we can get the owner of the business and their mindset around their brand and marketing aligned and then the leadership team and then the rest of their team, then marketing becomes really simple. And as a parent, I'm continually trying to drive my children not to think about going to university to start a traditional career, go and get a job and follow that path, but look for different opportunities and different ways to find their path and challenge the status quo. So thank you for that. It's so great. And I, I love the drive that it's come out of your own frustrations in the industry. Like many entrepreneurs, that's what drives us to or find the germ of an idea that we can then hopefully build out. So now four years, four years down the track, what are you most proud of? What's something that you wake up and go, I can't believe I've done this. That's a great question. The best feedback loop that we ever get is when someone has implemented everything that we teach and they've changed their life. They are on a completely different trajectory. I ran a Young Gun Hub and one of my mentees brought me a bottle of wine and on it she said, thank you for changing my life. To be able to have that level of influence and for someone to have chosen me out of Every single person in this world that they decided to be in my world and seek knowledge and seek learning from me as a mentor and for them to have opened up their mind and gotten themselves out of this invisible trap that society puts people on is one of the most rewarding feedback loops. It's happened over, over the years as well. Mentees go into commercializing their idea, something that they conceived in their own mind, and now it's a reality. And they have their mentees. Anytime a mentee comes with that feedback loop where they don't recognize themselves after six months is immensely rewarding. There's been many highlights, as many high highs as there has been, there's been low lows. I'm really proud of my books. I'm grateful for my mentor, Ron Malhotra, who enabled me to live out dreams that I didn't even dare to dream because it felt like something that was not for me, but it was more than for me. Everything that we've been able to do around people and bringing people together has been incredible. And also that my vision that I thought would be 10 years from now became my reality in year two or three. I was able to speed up that timeline and 
continue to fulfill my own vision and my own ambition. There's nothing more motivating, at least for me, and I expect for you, leadership in the service of others is a great position to be in. I also love the idea of, of transforming our clients, again, from mindset and business results. When you can create, as you've highlighted in your comments earlier, a transformational experience for the people we work with, that drives a remarkable experience for them that helps them drive business results back to you. That virtuous circle of creating such an experience for somebody that they've transformed, they want to share that transformation with anybody that will listen that then drives a really organized and structured referral process back into your business. Congratulations. There's so much that you're proud of in just the four years and to have achieved your 10-year vision in year two or three is unbelievable. Congrats. One of the things that I talk a lot with business owners is their job title versus actually what they do. On LinkedIn, your title is founder, but as you've already mentioned, as part of the construction coach, you're a mentor, author, podcast host. Sounds like a very full plate. Could you share what your top priorities are in your business and how you remain focused on them every day? I'll repeat what my mentor recently reminded us all of marketing, selling, prospecting. That is our primary duty. And under that, there's many different functions of innovation and creation. If I'm not innovating or creating, then I'm not adding value to my audience. You can't just add value if it won't connect with them, which is the marketing part. And if you're not selling, then it's a hobby, not a business. So extremely important functions. But then the client experience or the customer experience is key because simply delivering insights is not what in and of itself provides a transformation. So we're constantly working as to how we can upskill ourselves, but also improve the client experience so that they get the results that we know they can achieve. Then there's the implementation phase. And without having that support, and I love what you just said, is the cheapest person to hire in the business is the owner. So you end up doing it, but then that drives the pipeline and it takes time to fill it again. So I've been there. I've made that mistake. It's an expensive mistake. Without focusing on those three aspects first in any business, you can't survive. It's not just about surviving, actually. It's about thriving. It's about living in accordance with your values, having the life and lifestyle that you wanted from the business and why you started as well. Can we just drill a little bit deeper? And I'm fishing for some practical tips for the listener. How do you structure your day or your week, if it's not a day, to make sure you're spending some time on an aspect or all of those three aspects of what you are trying to do to make sure you continue to, as you say, not just survive, thrive? My morning is first for me, whether that's the morning routine, that's journaling, that's exercise, that's feeding the mind, body and soul first, because it's the easiest thing to do. But because it's so easy to do, as my mentor says, then it's also easy not to do. So that has to come first. That morning time is such a luxury, because if I'm not operating at full capacity, if I haven't poured in, then there's nothing to pour out. Then I do check WhatsApp and are there any fires? Are there any emails that have come through? Is there any good news that has come? Is there any bad, not so good news that has come? Or maybe there's no news, which is also can fall either way. So I check for a status update. 
like get on a call with my business partner, we look at the objectives, what's happening, what do we need to focus on? And then depending on certain priorities. So the three priorities of the day is, are there any key deliverables? So are there any worksheets or sessions or calls that first are booked in? They have to happen. So do I have to plan for anything, prepare anything? Then I set different targets for how many, if it's connections, how many outreach messages have to go in. Then also working on long-term projects. If I'm working on a long-term project, I have to move it. They're not going to move themselves. Always so looking at what are the priorities on these key projects. And then if there are any team meetings, what needs to happen around that as well. Very disciplined now around there's certain targets. And if those targets are not put in the funnel in the first instance, nothing's going to come out the other end. I know my conversion rates, I know the metrics. So very good with targets. And I do it in the most traditional way, pen on paper, marking off what I've done, what I haven't. And I do not like seeing outstanding in red as well. The average day, that's what it looks like. My morning routine is, is very similar to you. And I do lots of exercise and mental health stuff as well. But before I open up email, Teams, WhatsApp or anything like that, I work on something that's on the business. So if the rest of my day goes poorly, I know that my first hour has been on something that is a priority for the business, not for clients or for anything like that. So it's just one way that I know that whatever happens, I'm going to achieve something today. You've shared with me previously and publicly on your podcast and writings how your business has evolved and the challenges that you've faced in your career and i'm sure some of those challenges have fueled your inspiration to create the construction coach would you be willing to share some of your personal story and some of the changes you've made that have been most impactful in helping you achieve your success where to start with the challenges in anything that you try in business you'll try it once twice it's not working it's not working being able to not do something foolishly, but tweak along the way to get the desired outcome and have patience without diminishing enthusiasm would have been one of the first lessons that I had to learn. It feels really disappointing in the first instance, but it actually works to create a heightened sense of responsibility. I didn't do this right. I didn't do this. I didn't do this right. So it's falling in love with iteration and that's not something that necessarily happens in a professional world where things are very task oriented tick box type of work in entrepreneurship. It's constant iteration because no one pays you if you don't iterate and you don't improve your own product, your own service offering. That was one of the first shocks. What was maybe not so much surprising, but you have an expectation that people would stay with you or come with you or support or at least express curiosity to what you're doing and none of that happens. And you start realizing that this world that you're building starts to get very lonely and disconnect from people that you always thought would be there with you. And their world also doesn't become interesting so much either because you've opened up your world to marketing and psychology and pricing and funnels and LinkedIn and people who are actually creators and aligned. So you go through periods of you have people and then you don't, but you do find your people, your tribe. And I'm very grateful that I have that. I have that backing and that stability. And something that my mentor always prepared me for was the haters. And they came fast and they came thick. And that was 
going to happen, but I didn't expect it to happen as quick and as abrasive as it did. But it was one of the first things Ron told me on this journey is that with authority, it's two sides of the same coin. You've got the raving fans, people that will be there with you every step, they'll support. But the more that you have of those, there's just as many keyboard warriors that that come your way. One of the things you start realizing is how closed-minded people are to, to different ways of thinking, of being, of doing, of having, and how uncomfortable people are with others who decide to create their own niche or try something different. And you really start seeing how deeply rooted people's need for survival and comfort actually is. So you really learn a lot about human nature, which has its challenges onto yourself as well. Because if, if I point out something in you, Rick, it's, oh, I didn't like that Rick did that, for example, it's actually a reflection of me. And the more that you want to advance in business and you're not getting what you want, you end up looking deep within yourself. It's that emotional equity that also needs to come in business as well. People talk about financial equity, relationship equity, but not so much the emotional equity that is needed when you unravel yourself internally to be the best that the business needs, but at the same time to take the hits that do come with the lows of the business. So I hope I've answered your question. You have. I was hoping there would be a little bit more around the journey you went from. And you shared some of it earlier in terms of your feeling, in my word, I don't know if it's the right word, but disenfranchised from the norm, the status quo, the industry to really questioning what your place in life is. I've heard on your own podcast where you talked about you went to a workshop and the question was, what are your values? And you realized yeah. you had no clarity around your values. That is a lot of the work that we do. And a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast, the comments that we get is that these are questions that they haven't ever really come across in exactly the same way that you suddenly found yourself challenged by what the world was that was pushing you in a direction and what you wanted to get out of the world. And you realize that you had to zig when everybody else was zagging. That was where I was trying yeah, to Yeah, no, I can add to that. You can, yeah, the values aspect was a really interesting question. As you mentioned, I did go to a workshop back then and the very simple question was posed, what are my top four values? I was scratching around and it didn't make sense that me as, a, as successful as I was in a corporate career back then could not answer such a simple question. That was the first one that threw a spanner in my own paradigm. I was having a coffee way back when with a friend and she asked me, what does your perfect day look like? And I don't want to say I didn't have an idea, but I wasn't comfortable expressing it because it felt such out of the norm to what people would expect someone who works in construction to actually say. And the perfect day was to be writing a book in the Plaza Hotel in New York that I wasn't comfortable expressing that. So I was thinking, okay, if not that, what is my perfect day? And the answer wasn't, I'm going to be on site at 7am with a hard hat and steel cap boots either. I felt embarrassed or I wasn't confident in even expressing that I had alternative desires to what I had done my degree on and set myself up for. It was also meetings with people would ask me at work, oh, where would you like to go? And instead of providing a 
let's say a pathway, it was a job title, like a senior contract administrator. Why do I have to reduce the entirety of my being into one title just to enable other people to make sense of me? It didn't make sense. And at the same time, it was just maybe induced by the project, but just a diminishing rate of enthusiasm and desire to want to be frontline in construction. I did consider how try different opportunities, try different things, but there was nothing that could withstand the roar of the vision once it once it was something that I could see so clearly. That's great. Thank you. Just to jump back to the start of that commentary was around getting clarity on your values. Once you became clear of your four values, I think you said four, and it'd be great if you could share what they are, but how did clarifying them for you personally help you? And then how has that helped you develop your business? Why is it important, if I ask the question the other way from your perspective, why is it important for a business owner to be clear about their values and the values of their organization? Where is the baseline? Where are you operating from? And honesty, integrity, trust, they're all hygiene factors. If someone's in business and not even upholding the minimum standard, then don't expect pacts on the back or A players to come into the business. And it's not to say that every business is a high performer or every business values fun, that it's not that there needs to be a unanimous approach to values. If the business itself is not a reflection of the owner, they're not going to be able to attract people who are also value aligned. You won't be getting the best out of an A player who's a work hard, play hard, makes wants to make money mentality in a culture that is based on fun and family, for example. It's not to say that one is better or worse. It's just different. So if a business owner isn't able to accurately inform the market what they stand for, what they value and what they don't, they're not going to be attracting the right people as a business owner, make really good decisions in any arena, people, leadership, operations, marketing, branding, without being able to tie everything back to the value and also reflect the behavior that the value stands for as well. I agree. The interesting perspective of values that we work from and with our clients on is that values are observed, not told. We've all worked or been in environments where the values are stuck upon the wall and then you (laughs) see somebody in the business actually behaving in contra to those values and then you get a very clear understanding of actually what the values are. So that's why we talk about that they're observed. So it doesn't matter what you tell people behave based on how they see and what they do. So we're very much focused, as you mentioned, on the behaviours that demonstrate a value. Yes, we do have a value of always honest, but it's the definition of how we do that is that we're honest with ourselves before we're honest with others. And we're open to having difficult conversations because of the value that creates in the relationship and the quality of work. And we're really focused as a team of trying to live our values and talk about our values as behaviours, not just things on the wall. Behaviours always become the undoing and that informs reputation and no marketing campaign can mask a rubbish reputation. Correct. Before you end this part of the discussion, in terms of what are your values and how do you live them with you and your team every day? Mine, my personal number one value is freedom. Once I was very clear on that, It didn't make sense to work for someone else because what was I free to do? I had to ask 
to take a day off. I had to prove that I had a cold. I was not able to work in accordance with my natural cycle. I had to be in a fixed position in order to do it. It was not in alignment with that value and also not being in full expression of myself. You can't be 100% of who you are in corporate. The highest you can actually go is 80%. And to be lesser than because of that would make other people uncomfortable was not in alignment with my value. The next one is wealth. There was only so much that a corporate salary would be able to afford when it comes to wealth. It is a cap that we've made an agreement that I will give you X amount of hours and you will give me this and it's going to last for 365 days and that's it. So only in business can you remove the ceiling. I know my natural wiring and what is important to me. And there are other values that support all of those. When you're clear on them, you can start making really good decisions for yourself. Great. Thank you for that. Just to go a different way, in running a business, especially an SME, it requires a dedication to be resilient. There's things that get thrown at us every day. How have you developed the mental muscle to drive the changes in your role and the business? And what do you do to remain resilient every day? This is where that powerhouse mindset does come into play. And all the work that you do, if shit hits the fans, that's when the character really shows. It's when things are really tough that the character truly comes out. There have been some exceptionally tough moments over the last few years, personally and professionally. The only place where I can get the most strength from and the courage to continue is the spiritual strength. It's not from this world. It's having that deep-rooted faith. What is faith? Faith is belief in the unknown. And in a highly left-brain society, which they will only believe what they see in front of them on facts, then people simply lack faith in their life. That's the only place that I've been able to turn to and different people who have guided me and supported me in that exploration has enabled me to have that resilience and to know that everything is cyclical. It must turn. But how am I contributing to this? What it is that I can do, even if it's shifting what I need to within me so that I can have the shift externally? That's great. As I think you referred to it earlier as well, we are a product of the five people we spend the most time with, as somebody famously said. And I think you're a great example of how you've got mentors around you that help you be the best person you can be. So congratulations. Again, a different perspective. And no matter all the careful planning we do and thinking about our business, unexpected things always seem to happen. Looking back over the past four years of building The Construction Coach, I'm curious to know if there was something that caught you by surprise. If so, how did you adjust your business strategy to achieve your success? Well, no one expected being locked up for 273 days in Melbourne. That really took a personal, emotional, financial hit. That was a hit from every single perspective, especially when a big part of our business is bringing people together and there was a time there when the sentiments weren't for online mentoring or training. There was that hesitation for it. It also wasn't a time where people were investing in anything over the long term because no one had that surety as to what that would look like. The amount of times we had to cancel an event, cancel meetups, couldn't do this, couldn't even travel to Sydney without the fear of not being able to come back, which is not a bad outcome at the time. Having to completely go from 
doing in-person events and then in-person recordings, even everything went online and really understanding the psyche of the target market and reaching them where things were exceptionally difficult was a whole new frontier. And then also coming out of that, the sentiment people weren't, again, investing. They wanted to play. They did not want to be seated further in front of a computer mentoring. Now that's what we were doing. So it took a lot of pivoting, again, to really find that balance. But also keep on going, to not pack up shop, to know that this too shall pass and also continue to innovate. That's where more books came because books were able to reach people in terms of the message that they needed at that point in time. The podcast really did well because people were at home. They needed to listen to something. So the podcast opportunities kept on going. That was one of the biggest things. And then also having to learn how to lead without having any contact with anyone. It's different when people can experience you and they can experience your energy. But when people only can see you online or hear you online, learning how to reach people was also a refined skill set in marketing that we developed as well. So that would be the number one thing that really forced the business to change and look at what could be done instead of lamenting over what couldn't be done. As you say, there are lots of business owners, including me and my business that had to significantly change during COVID. Just to dig a little deeper and come at that from a different perspective, were there any beliefs or perspectives that you had about the industry and the way your business would work that then when you went to market, you suddenly realized that your assumptions weren't as accurate or the assumption that you made going into it was incorrect that made you change the business. So COVID, we all understand and we've all impacted and looked at it in different ways. But as you identified four years ago, the opportunity that you thought for your business, as you went into market, did you identify something that you just assumed was different in market that therefore had to change your model, your business, or it could be just an aspect of your business? The first thing that comes to mind, and that's a great question, thank you for asking, is the target market. I remember when I first went to market, I incorrectly thought, oh, I'd be something for everyone. And we know that breaches one of the first marketing principles, which you are not. But even going out to market, the target market onto itself was more refined. Who comes into my world now is significantly different from who I started marketing to and targeting is worlds away. And it makes sense because I'm not who I was back then. What was important to me then is not what's important to me now. So over time, your target market becomes significantly clearer, but that's only going to happen through putting yourself out there, but also paying attention to when people do come to you, why, who are they? What is it that they have decided to come to me for? Because it can be very easy to fall in love with your own product and how you've already packaged something or structured something. So being able to cut up a program, put it back together in many different ways has been a big part of it as well. My entry-level program, I reiterated it around 15 times just based on what was coming through, what was needed. And it was simply necessary. So I think the most eye-opening experience to me has been around target market, who I thought would, and also fans, like who I thought would be the fans has been the opposite, who I didn't think 
it, it, I had it all backwards. Yeah. And you can never be too close to understanding your target market, but without any filter or bias or preconceived notion, understanding why do people come to you? That talks about the principle of marketing. If we don't put our work into the world, we actually don't know who's going to be attracted to our work. So the idea of holding out till the product is perfect or the book is finished is a, a principle that we really fight against. Perfection is the enemy of done. And sometimes you've just got to say it's done and publish it or produce it so that you can see how it's used and get feedback from the market. And as creators of change, which we all are, we often don't have the luxury of choice around who's going to be attracted to the change we want to make and who believes in that. And we've had exactly the same experience. We identified that this is who we thought would be attracted to our proposition. And when we went to market, the market that we identified was actually quite different to who we thought it would be. And it's a wonderful market. It's an enlightening experience when you see who is attracted to the ideas and change that we want to make. It really is. And all the more rewarding at the end of it. A business is a collection of people who need to work effectively together. What process and tools do you use to motivate and mentor your staff to get the best out of the team? One thing that I've had to learn is just because I see the outcome that way doesn't mean that people automatically have the same process or that same level of intuition when it comes to doing things or that same attention to detail standard that I have. And it's not their fault. It's just they haven't come from the same background. They're not, we're not the same makeup. So really being able to be very clear and explicit with outcomes from the outset is something that I've had to learn because it was a stark realization at the time that not everyone thinks like me. Making it feel like what they're contributing is important to the greater picture. So when I have podcast award, I'll share it with the team as well. And it's all in thanks to them as well, because I can't do what I do without them. People who have come from a very different world that I've never been there, I haven't experienced it. It's about learning their language, their perceptions, what's important to them. If someone doesn't tell you that's what they do, then you'd think they were giving you offense, but it's not. It's simply a norm in the practice there. And you realize how much is actually missing when you've never seen into someone's world and you don't know how people run their lives. You can't see. So you have to really eradicate a lot of assumptions that you have around how other people work. And creating those touch points and high visibility is just as important. I never realized how complex it is to get people to constantly drive results as well. And it's something that I'm continually learning as well. Thinking about the strategic priorities that you've got in your business, our perspective and for our own business and when we work with our clients is that really any business can only work on two or three, maybe four top priorities at any given time. Given where you are in your business and the next horizon that you're targeting for, what are a couple of the priorities or strategic initiatives that you're working on today and what do you hope that they will deliver back to the business? One thing that I am working on at the moment is is my fourth book and it's not a book written in isolation. I'll put it at that. It is going to be an industry first anthology. So maybe in a few months I'll be able to 
reveal a bit more. Regardless of what I do, I love authorship. I love the process of creating books and books have changed my life. As long as I can continue to contribute to the thought leadership in the industry and be able to lodge a spanner in someone else's own paradigm, I will continue to do that. Constructing You is my podcast is on a global mission to interview an exemplary leader, industry titan or young gun from every country in the world. I may not get to some, of course, but I'm going to try. The mission being is that no matter where you are, you can become the exemplary, excellent and exceptional person behind the project because you're not a product of your circumstance. So I am on 15 or 16 countries out of 196 or or 214. So always looking to expand in that way in terms of guests and footprint as well. And working on a new business as well, again, in collaboration with my mentors and a few other things in the works. What I love most about this type of business is if I want to experience something, I'm going to create it and it will happen. And if I liked it, I'll do it again. If not, then I'm not bound to it. I couldn't ask for a more motivating, inspiring and practical way to end our discussion. So Eleanor, thank you very much. And I really do look forward to watching your continuing success with The Construction Coach, reading your next book when it comes out in a few months and listening to more of your podcast interviews and watching the impact you're having on the industry. You're driven to drive change in an industry that doesn't necessarily like change. And I think you're creating an amazing impact on the world and the people behind the projects that you're helping them to change as well. So thank you again for your time today and I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. And I appreciate the line of questions and being an exemplary host. Thank you.